Hello again, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Vibbert, and with me again, as always, is Matt Quest. And Hello! Yeah. And today, our special guest is Ralph Eppel. Hi. Uh, this... I just want to know, is that is that Matt's real last name? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, that is my real last right. name, and people confuse it with MapQuest sometimes, <laughs> like the GPS. Yeah. And I do have a cousin that is Johnny Quest, and That's he awesome. lives somewhere in Florida, and I've never met him. <clears throat> Well, you should Just still. Clear that if you ever have a son someday, you still should need to name him Johnny. Johnny Junior Class. Yeah, and you need to become a doctor. <clears throat> On so my you, way. So you can be Johnny's father, Doctor Quest. Yes, and I need another dog named Haji. And you need to have an uh, Indian friend named uh, Haji. Oh, that's the Indian. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you got you got the wrong dog though. You need to have a little white bulldog. I almost got a bulldog, but. You know. Katie, she was she was too nice. Well, see, at least we're appropriately being geeky about an, an animated TV series that <laughs> Hanna Barbera did. So it's within the realm of the show. Uh, cool. If you guys haven't listened, sorry to derail it. By the way, <laughs> that's fine. If you guys haven't <laughs> listened <laughs> listened to the podcast before, we focus on the world of animation. Duh. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it is up for discussion with us. Uh, you can check out our website at animationfascination.wordpress.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Animated Podcast. And if you would like to be the first person ever to send us an email, you can send it to animationfascinationpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, and then to finish out the social network, you can like us on Facebook by searching for Animation Fascination. And also, we're now searchable on iTunes, so you can actually subscribe to us on iTunes, find us on iTunes. So if you've been listening since episode one, thank you. And now it's going to be easier for you to get your episodes. But with that, we're going to go right into today's news, which the first things are... New releases on Blu-ray and DVD, and the first film is The Secret World of Arietti. Uh, Matt and I talked about this when it came out in theaters. The Blu-ray just came out. And Studio Ghibli also released, uh, I think it was Castle in the Sky, and there was one other film that came out the same day. But the, as usual, Disney's animated Blu-rays look beautiful, because uh, they, they, t- they take a really... They, well, they they spend a good deal of time making sure that their animated films look really good on Blu-ray. Uh, Matt, have you got a chance to check out the Arietti Blu-ray yet at all? I have not seen the Arietti Blu-ray, unfortunately. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> have you, Ralph? I have not seen the film. <laughs> um... <laughs> But I agree with you as far as the Disney Blu-rays go. <laughs> yeah. Th- this year is actually a pretty good year for... Excuse me. That's right. Uh, for animated Disney Blu-rays, because coming out in July, there's Treasure Planet. Uh, the not-so-good film Home on the Range is coming out this summer as well. And then, I'm getting this to a little bit later, but Pocahontas 1 and 2, The Rescuers 1 and 2, and The Aristocats... All come out on Blu-ray August 21st. So, you got those, and then you got Nemo finally come. Go ahead. I was going to say, the Aristocats and um, the Rescuers, I believe, is the reason why I'm on. Uh, I think that started a conversation. I'm really interested in seeing how those two films look on Disney Blu-ray, and we'll get into that later. I'll explain why. Uh, The only thing that I I didn't like about this Arietti Blu-ray is it didn't really have a lot of features on there. And what was kind of cool is that they, you can watch the entire film and the original Japanese storyboards if you want to. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but then there's, there's two music videos on there. One is, <laughs> and then there's a making of one of the music videos. And it's the, one of the girls that's oh. on a Disney Channel TV show. <laughs> of course. Because Dis- Disney always kind of does this with their DVDs. Like, I remember, like, Jungle Book and whatnot came out. There's music videos on there by 
like Hannah Montana singing I Want to Be Like You or something just to kind of keep their their new Mouseketeers within, I don't know, there's like a Jonas Brothers music video on one of the older movies too. It's not something I like when they put those on there. Yeah. And then they have all the original Japanese trailers and TV spots. And the, it's pretty much the storyboards and the TV spots are the only actual things pertaining to the film that are actually on there. I would have liked to have seen like some more making of the actual film and not like music video. But hmm. I guess I guess I gotta be happy with what they put on there. But it, the movie does look beautiful on Blu-ray, and if you liked it in theaters or if you like any of the studio Jubilee films, I would suggest picking it up. I didn't. They didn't. I didn't get a copy of the other two films that came out the same day as that. But I do need to check them out eventually because I've only seen Arietti and Ponyo now at this point for Ghibli films. And I can't believe it. You need to see more Ghibli films. Yeah, I know. Ralph needs to see all of them too. I'm gonna yeah. throw him under the bus. I haven't seen any. We just. Uh, my wife has, and we just started putting some on our. Uh, I mean, we've just just been getting them from Netflix. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I've seen parts of Howl's Moving Castle. That's my favorite favorite movie by far, yeah. by Miyazaki. Yeah. One one of these days, I just need to go out and rent them all and give myself an entire day of watching all the films. Yeah. But that's Arietti. Uh, the next film is not animated, but the reason I'm talking about it is because it's directed by Andrew Staten who is uh, a Pixar director that did the films Nemo and Wally, So that's kind of why I'm talking about this. But it was his first live-action film, it was, and the movie I'm talking about was John Carter. I'm assuming a lot of people didn't see this in theaters, because it bombed horribly. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I, feel, I, I feel bad for Mark Strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's... A couple of... Andrew Staten directed it, and then the actual second unit director is Mark Andrews, who is the director of Brave that's coming out later this month. And then uh, Lindsay Collins was one of the producers of the film, did the voice of Tia, one of the twin cars in Cars, and she works at Pixar as well. So, I mean, it sucks for them that the film didn't do that well, because... You can you can tell that they actually put like a lot of work into it, and I watched a bunch of the the features on there. The features on that Blu-ray are definitely by far much better than the Arietti ones, because there's a mm-hmm. 360 degrees of John Carter thing on there, which you experience every aspect of the filmmaking process on one of one day of production of the film. And what's kind of funny is that that was the one day that Taylor Kitsch wasn't there the entire time they filmed. And they decided to do that, the special feature. <laughs> Every single other day of filming, he was there, apparently. But that was pretty cool. It shows, like, like all the different processes of how they went through the makeup and setting up special effects. And uh, there's some cool bloopers on there, too, which are, which are kind of funny to see Andrew Staten messing around with the, the cast. And there's a few deleted scenes in there with commentary by Andrew Staten. And, and one of these was online a few days ago but it was an alternate opening to the movie which some people actually thought might have been a different a better opening to the movie because it's got more exposition in it and might have helped some people with the film but i don't know i i enjoyed the movie and actually when i went to go see the screening of this in theaters I actually met andrew set so that was by far pretty awesome uh i was wearing my pics i was wearing my pixar shirt too so that made it even better. And he told me thanks for representing. For a while, for a while, wasn't it said that this was going to be like Pixar's first live action film? Yeah, I think originally they were developing like I, it within Pixar and then just became just a Disney movie. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it was good they got their name away from that when it bombed. Yeah. Because it, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I've I feel, heard good things about it. I just yeah, haven't seen it yet. I enjoyed it. I don't know why some so many people don't like the film. I don't know. Everybody, everybody has their right to their own opinion for films. But I don't know. I enjoyed it. And if you like Andrew Staten's work with with Wally and 
Nemo, you, I think you would like this. At, le at least definitely the CG stuff in there. You can tell that he took his time with that and knew what he was doing with that as well. And I don't know, it was, this was actually a pretty big like passion project for him too, you can tell on there because of how into it he's, as he's talking about it. And it shows how the film has actually been in development for a pretty long time. They've been trying to make them, well not Disney themselves, but the film has been trying to get made for over like 100 years since the book came out. And then at one point John, John Favreau was going to direct it and then he ended up leaving to go do Iron Man. It was pretty good. So, if you haven't seen it yet, go check out John Carter on Blu-ray. At least rent it. Give Andrew Stamp some of your money. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have to go and check that out just to see what's up. It, it always stinks, too, when I like a movie and then it doesn't do well at the box office, so there's not going to be a sequel to it, even though I want a sequel to it. And and they they had planned a second third movie, like a storyline for those two, but I don't think that's going to happen, though. It's... It's pretty much exactly what happened with the Green Lantern film. Um, yeah. And that's why I mentioned Mark Strong, because he's in both. And both of them were supposed to have sequels. And I don't think either of them will, because they both bombed. Yeah. Uh, it's the other thing with Tyler Kitsch. He was in this, and then he was in Battleship this year. So that guy is, yeah. stri that guy is striking out the box office. And then he was Gambit in, mm. in uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wolverine. So, so I, I guess he just has to pick the f films a little bit better. Lay low for a bit. Yeah. Have people rip him up again on Friday Night Lights and see what that does. But the the next two I got are DVDs that came out of classic animated series, and I'm assuming all three of us have seen. There's Happiness is Peanuts, Team Snoopy, and then Tom and Jerry Around the World, which are basically a compilation of a bunch of old Peanuts and Tom and Jerry cartoons, and actually some new Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm. But uh, they don't really have any special features on there other than the episodes. And it's basically the older episodes of Tom and Jerry are just like them taking place in different parts of the world. And then the Snoopy ones are all ones uh, revolving around them playing baseball. What do you guys think about Peanuts and Tom and Jerry? Um, I'm really, as far as the Peanuts go, I'm only really familiar with, you know, the the holiday ones. Uh, and then there's a couple more, like, camping trip, summertime ones. Oh, yeah. And then Tom and Jerry, I haven't, I haven't seen since I was a kid. <clears throat> yeah, same with me. Like, the holiday, I mean, like, the Great Pumpkin Peanuts, you know, and the Christmas special, but... Um, Tom and Jerry, I remember seeing like a lot of that when I was younger and, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in watching those again, yeah. refresh my memory. My, I had my son Patrick watch both of them and he was really, like, he loves Snoopy. He's got, <laughs> he's got all those holiday specials on DVD and then he was glad when I got this in the mail. And then he watched all 23 episodes of the Tom and Jerry, like in one sitting. Wow. <laughs> so, you guys remember that, that Tom and Jerry film that came out? in the nineties where they could, they could talk. What? Yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Was it just, was it just called like Tom and Jerry's movie? Yeah. It was like Tom and Jerry, the movie. And there's like this, yeah. this evil, of course there's an evil guy in it. Cause there had to be a bad guy. But yeah. Like somehow the movie starts off and it's like usual Tom and Jerry. <laughs> and then somehow all of a sudden they can talk and they're both surprised by the fact that both of them can talk. And then stuff that's, that's kind of funny <laughs> that's come out since they can't talk anymore. <laughs> Where is it? That's really funny. Well, at least he addressed it in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Like they're like, you can talk. Yeah, I can talk. You could talk too. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why we've never talked before. <laughs> we probably won't, won't ever talk again after <laughs> this is all done. But um, the... there's a. Uh, I was gonna say there's a Godzilla movie called uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan. Where out of nowhere Godzilla talks to Angulus for no reason whatsoever, and it's never it's never happened it never happened before it never happened since and it was never explained why. It's really strange. So, it's always I keep them guessing. Yeah, it's always weird when they decide to like add something like. Well, I mean, I guess like in a full length Tom and Jerry film where they didn't talk might have been kind of weird, but and 
going back to Andrew Staten, it shows that you can do almost half a movie essentially as a silent film with Wally and Eve, and that works just fine. Yeah. So maybe Tom, the Tom and Jerry movie would have worked fine that way, too. Uh, Ralph, do you know who the voices of Tom and Jerry were? Yeah, we got the, uh, we had Richard Kind is, uh, the voice of Tom. You might know him from Molt being, playing Molt in, uh, Bugs Life. Yes. The kind of cowardly grasshopper. And Dana yeah. Hill, who's done a lot of animation voice work, uh, was the voice of Jerry. Interesting. Who did the, the voice of the little girl in the hat? Um, I'm assuming the little girl is Robin Starling. That's Andy McAfee. Been in some Final Fantasies, Mass Effect, Land Before Time. She plays Sira. Oh, nice. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I remember her voice. I was, and when I watched it, I was like, this kind of sounds like Sarah the Triceratops. All right, but yeah, those are... Oh, was she Helga in that? Uh, I closed it out. Okay. I will say yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that she was Helga. Yeah, don't fact check this episode. <laughs> but yeah, th- yeah, those are our, our Blu-ray and DVD reviews for the week. So nice little uh, eclectic mix there of Studio Ghibli, Andrew Staten, and then Peanuts and Tom and Jerry. So if you haven't seen any of them, or if you have seen all of them and you liked them, go check out the Blu-rays and DVDs because they're out now. Uh, with that, we're going to get into our recommendations of films that you guys should go see. Uh, and I'm going to try to insert the Peter Lord Q&A from when I saw the Pirates here. But if I can't find it and you're still listening to the episode, I'm sorry, I couldn't find it. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Pirates. I thought it was it was awesome. The stop motion animation in that was done really well. Uh, the film was really funny. I liked the use of music in there. There's a Flight of the Concord song in there, which I thought was yes. awesome that they used that. Yes, it's pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. And <clears throat> and if you listen to the end of this podcast, you may hear that song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really liked the the humor in it. It's that same type of British uh, humor that you get from uh, Wallace and Gromit and the other and flushed away that they did and i just really liked uh hugh grant as not hugh grant jeez getting my my englishman mixed up colin firth as the pirate captain he was awesome in the movie and then david Tennant as uh darwin was pretty amazing as well and the 3d with stop motion looks awesome because 3d usually looks looks better with animation but animation that is done with like real life objects i don't know it made it look even even cooler i guess that way so i would definitely suggest if you haven't seen this yet go to see it in 3d because it definitely is worth the 3d price to get for this one and when i was when i was there i got to meet peter lord which was awesome this this year has been pretty awesome for meeting animation heroes of mine andrew staten and (laughs) and peter lord i actually got PR's autograph that was awesome and they they actually brought one of the 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 pirate captain working like animation figures from the film, and that was pretty cool to hold that and oh. see the different workings of how that works. And you could see where his mouth came off, so they could put the different mouths on there for when he's speaking in the film. Oh no way! But yeah, that was that was pretty awesome as well. Yeah. What did you think of the film, guys? Um. Well, here let me tell you. I had the worst time trying to go see this movie, first off, because I went to, like, where it was playing, and they didn't have it in 3D around here, like, where I am. And I had, like, in order to see it in 3D, I would have had to travel, like, 30 miles. So, you know, I went to the local theater that was playing just a 2D version, and I left to go there. I got there on time for the movie, but the movie theater was like in this strip mall and uh you know i assumed you know you'd go into the mall to get to the movie theater right no no that wasn't the case i got there on time i walked into the strip mall first of all i walked to the opposite end of the strip mall so i was like i'm five minutes late it's like all right i'll still make it through the credits 
So I walked to the other end of the mall where I just came from and I couldn't find the movie theater. The movie theater was like attached to the mall, but the only entrance was from the opposite side of the mall and you had to go outside to get to it. So I was like 10, 15 minutes late into the movie and I started watching the movie when uh, the, uh, the pirate guy rolls up in his whale into the bar scene. Uh. So if you could fill me in on what's happened before that, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, okay, spoiler alert for anybody that has seen the movie right here. Uh, basically, it's just the beginning. It's yeah, just it's the basically beginning. just a bunch of exposition setting up what's going to happen with, throughout the film where the pirate captain, they have, they have ham, they have a ham night, so they're eating ham. And he's never won the Pirate of the Year award before, and he's getting pretty depressed about that. So uh, his entire crew starts, you know, making him try to feel better. And so they go off and pillage a bunch of ships, and there's a bunch of jokes in there. With the one that they changed from a leper boat was now a plague boat, but you still get the joke. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I I really like the movie. Um, you know, the the last I think good stop motion film I saw was uh, Coraline. So, yeah. um, you know, compared to Coraline, I mean, I really liked it. It, uh, <clears throat> it the, like the timing of the animation was great, you know, hilarious. And, you know, you, there's just, you know, n like new jokes, you know, it wasn't like anything corny, like corny, you know, for like oh, movies, but it was just fresh. Yeah. So it was a great movie. Um, I love the song uh, from Flight of the Concords. That pretty much like made the whole thing. As soon as I heard that song coming on, I'm like, no way. This is the best movie ever. <laughs> I, I told a couple of my friends at work who haven't seen the movie that there was a Flight of the Concords song in there. And it just sparked everyone that was just like, okay, we're going to see it now. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So it's it's a good movie. I liked it a lot. Uh Ralph, did you get to see it at all? I haven't. I haven't. Once again, I've dropped the ball. <laughs> uh, what did you? What have you thought of like past Ardman films, though, like Chicken Run or Wallace and Gromit? I've liked them. Um, I'm a big fan of Wallace and Gromit. Um, and, like iTunes just released all four of them um, of the Wallace and Gromit shorts. Yeah, those just came out on Blu-ray. I saw now too. Yeah, um, I like them a lot. Uh, I like I like the style. I like the the uh, the animation. And I was just mentioning before the show how they do the. I'm pretty sure they still do the Chevron commercials with the talking cars. Yeah. Um, yep. But the most recent one I saw, they they moved over to CG as opposed to the regular traditional stop motion. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It was there was two cars at the same time, so I don't know if they were trying to cut down on time for yeah. animating a human character and then two cars but you know i don't know hopefully they return to the stop motion i think it looks cool yeah now, have either of you guys ever seen uh their short films angry kid no, they do, they're kind of more adult oriented than everything else Ardman does it's got oh, this wow. kid with like this this really bright orange hair and it only like his head is claymation but the rest of his body is like an actual physical human being. <laughs> Sounds amazing. You, I think I have seen that. Like, just now that you say that. Spark, well, remember, you, there, there's a thing where he, he smells his finger, and, <laughs> and then he goes, like he's like gagging, and he's going to throw up, and he goes, stinky, stinky finger. <laughs> but, yeah, if you guys haven't seen those, they're more like kind of like adult-oriented short films that Ardman did that are pretty funny. It's pretty great. Definitely. I've, I've seen Creature Comfort, so I, I enjoy that. Yeah, th those are kind of more adult-oriented, too. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys, uh, if guys listening, go check those out. I'll, I'll put a, a link in the, in our, in our thing. You'll see it. Uh, but with that, that, that's our recommendations for this week. Ardman's Pirates, go see it if you haven't. Hopefully in 3D. And get there half an hour early, so you don't have a situation <laughs> like Matt. Yeah, yeah. Plan plan your day around it. <laughs> uh, the the new trailer isn't actually out, but it was in front of the films playing during the Pixar 
uh, summer movie weekend, which was pretty cool. Did either of you guys get to go to that at all? No. AMC was doing it. Mm-mm. No, I didn't get to. Oh, they were playing Ratatouille, which Ralph would have liked to go see. That's uh, my favorite Pixar film. Wally, Toy Story 3, and Up. So pretty much the past four Disney movies that came out before Cars 2. But me and my son got to go see Wally in theaters, and that was pretty awesome. There's a little thing in front of it John Lasseter did where he said thank you for coming to see the movie. Uh, he was at Cars Land, too, so it's a nice little blatant cross-promotion of the new Disneyland mm-hmm. park opening up, which I'm jealous of, Ralph, which we'll be able to go see it. Well, I uh, I just, you know, I've actually looked over the wall <clears throat> in the Cars Land, and it looks just as good as the commercials. Yeah. It looks awesome. It's like a, it's a total real-life embodiment of Radiator Springs. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's pretty impressive. It just makes me wish that at, at Disney World, they would create a, a fifth park and just have it be like Pixar Park or something. Well, yeah. there's a lot of Pixar at, at California Adventure. I want an entire park, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want there would be one section for Bugs Life, one section for Cars, one section for Toy Story, one for Incredibles, one for Wally. So so far, there's at, at California Adventure, there's a section for Bugs, there's a section for Cars. And they've converted Paradise Pier into kind of a section for Toy Story. Nice. And then over in the Hollywood backlot, you have the monsters. Oh monsters, yeah. Monsters, right? But like, I want like those mon- that Monsters Inc. ride that's in at Tokyo Disney, mm-hmm. where, where it's actually more of like a ride through Monstropolis and whatnot. Because I think isn't the one that's at Disneyland just like a scare floor type thing? It's not really yeah. as much of a ride. It uh it goes through Mons Monstropolis a little bit. Um, I know you go by Harryhausen's uh, sushi restaurant. Essentially, it's a it, it it I guess it's like Boo is on the loose, and you're kind of following in her wake. So you go, and then you have there's a there's an area where you're going through um the uh, the like holding area for all the doors. I don't know what you would call that place. But oh, the, just like the, the conveyor oh. belts. Oh, okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it, it's converted from a different ride that used to be there called Superstar Limo. Hmm. Um, so they converted it into monsters. So it's you know it's like a dark ride. Oh, cool. oh so kind of like Space Mountain or something like that. No, it's like a um, like a Mr. Toad's. Oh okay. Yeah. I wonder if they'll make any updates to it next year when Monsters University comes out. They may. Which, actually, there's going to be a Monsters University trailer in front of Brave when it comes out later this month, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) All this to segue into uh, Ralph's autobiography that's going to be coming out in November, that Disney's animated film, Wreck-It Ralph. Yep, all about me wrecking it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they had... (laughs) Which means something different in my household. Yeah, they had this trailer in front of Wally, so I'm assuming they probably just did it in front of like all these Pixar movie weekend things, which was kind of a cool surprise. Oh, they all, they also played Presto, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, Pixar short films, in front of Wally again, so that was cool. Uh, but yeah, the trailer for this was awesome. John C. Riley is doing the voice of Ralph, and it basically takes place in this arcade where it's this 8-bit character. He was essentially, he's essentially Donkey Kong, if Donkey Kong were a human, and was destroying buildings instead of throwing barrels at Mario. And if Jack McBriar was Mario and Mario was a, a plumber, he was a, a carpenter and was fixing buildings. But uh, pretty much Wreck-It Ralph gets fed up with being the villain, so he kind of leaves that game and goes through like all these other different video games and you see him going through like a Halo-esque type film uh, or not film game uh, and then there's one thing in the trailer that has him at like a villain kind of um, what, like a, like a what the hell is it? kind of something like you saw like Dr. Evil and his, his brother or not his brother his, his son yeah, in in that film and Fred oh, Claus like counseling yeah like a counseling <laughs> kind of think of the word uh but yeah he's at a counseling session and you see like a bunch of uh 
licensed video game characters there that are bad guys like Bowser from Super Mario, Clyde from Pac-Man, Cubert. Not Cubert, but uh, Cubert is in the the movie, I guess. So they're usually they're using actual licensed video yeah. game characters. Uh, yeah, and there's some characters from Mega Man, some characters from Mortal Kombat, and then some characters from Street Fighter Two. So this is like the Roger Rabbit of video game movies. Yeah, it, it looks. Gotta, re- okay, this I gotta see. It looks really cool too, because it shows, like when in the video game itself, when you see Ralph, he's the eight bit character, but then like when there's kind of like a thing that's like the scare floor but it's like all these video games they're at like a central station where they go off to their games and it's it kind of reminded me of like that scare floor thing but i thought that was i was i don't know it just looks really cool and when he goes to the other games he's done like in cg animation that like we would recognize from like pixar and other cg films that come out nowadays that's cool and this is by uh, this is disney studios yeah this is disney's 52nd animated feature and and then john c Riley is uh is rocket ralph and then jack mcbriars in the movie jane lynch and sarah silverman do voices too and it's directed by a former animation director from the simpsons and futurama rich moore so i'm sure there'll be some pretty good humor in there too for him sounds great this sounds right up my alley it comes out november 2nd 2012 and i'm pretty sure that this trailer is going to be released on Friday with Madagascar 3 so it'll be in front of that cool. I'm assuming it'll be online then too and uh, did you see this trailer in 3D? Uh, I don't, no because Wally wasn't wasn't in 3D for that Pixar oh, thing okay. so I was I was confused with Finding Nemo alright so for our news we're going to be talking about Nemo is finally coming out on Blu-ray on December 4th uh, it's going to come out 3D Blu-ray and regular 2D Blu-ray. And Pixar is finally releasing Volume 2 of their short film compilation. So pretty excited for both those. And Up is being released on 3D Blu-ray the same day as both of those two. Oh, cool. So, did you, oh, go ahead. Did you see the uh, Up in 3D when it came out? Yeah. Uh, I want That was Pixar's first 3D film, right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. So it'll be... It'll be I don't have a 3D TV yet, but I have a bunch of Pixar films on 3D, so eventually when I do get a 3D TV yeah. someday, I'll be able to have a 3D uh, marathon. Yeah, same here. But yeah, it'll finally be nice to complete the Pixar Blu-ray collection and have every single Pixar-related film on Blu-ray. Yeah, do you know what the holdup was on Nemo? Because they, like, I would see it advertised, like... Yeah, I remember as it, soon as Blu-ray came out, it was on all of the Disney DVD or yeah, Disney it was like Blu-ray. demo DVDs. And yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think it kept getting pushed and pushed, and then when they finally decided to put it back in theaters this year in 3D, maybe that's what finally let. The, maybe I'm sure that maybe they had had this plan to come out in 3D like a while ago. So maybe once they started with that, they just kept delaying it until this it was coming out. It makes sense. Now, I'm almost wondering if there's going to be a huge Pixar box set that will come out with Nemo now that all of their films will be on Blu-ray. Well, because Brave will come out around that time too, because it usually comes out their new their summer films usually come out in November. Yeah. Brave is the thirteenth. Yeah, that, yeah, because yeah. Toy Story is eleven, Cars two is twelve. Yeah, Brave would be thirteen. That's a big box set. Yeah, <laughs> there was that awesome box that they did when. Up came out, but then they they had to stop putting it out because Luxo was gonna sue them because it, it essentially uh, came with this thing that said Pixar on the front and then like a little mini Luxo Junior lamp next to it and then little inserts so you could stick all ten of that at that time Pixar films in there mm-hmm. and it looked like this cool little like setup there and then the light lit up but I guess Luxo didn't like that they would be selling essentially selling a lamp. With almost their la- their name on it, you can still find it on Amazon or other places online if you want to. For it's like two hundred bucks though. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. If I had two hundred dollars that I could just spend on that, I would get it. But like, if that two hundred dollars to me was like maybe a dollar to me, then I would buy it. But at at this point in time, it's not, so I can't. Mm. 
But yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for Nemo coming out in 3D because I think right. if, of all Pixar's films to be put in 3D, that'll probably be the one that works the best for with all the underwater stuff going on. Yeah. That'll probably look pretty good in 3D, and I'm it's gonna look great on Blu-ray too from all the demo stuff we've seen over the years for it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the the other thing which just came out recently. Uh, was people's reactions to Disney's animated short film Paper Man that's going to be in front of Wreck-It Ralph. There's a few reactions on Twitter from like Chris Chua that we've spoken to before it's talking about how awesome this film is. It's done in a mix of the hand-drawn animation and CG animation, again, kind of like Day and Night was. Yeah. So from all I've seen and like heard about this, I'm looking forward to seeing that in front of Wreck-It Ralph later this year too. But uh, I put a link up to that, so if you guys want to check that out, you guys can check it out later, too. And then the last bit of news is that there's going to be an animated short coming out for Moonrise Kingdom, Wes Anderson's new film, which did, you guys both saw Fantastic Mixture Fox, right? Yeah. Uh, if you had to rate that among Wes Anderson's films, is that your, your favorite Wes Anderson film? <laughs> no. Right. No, but it's 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 pretty. Is it's it up there? there? It's up there. It's up there. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad to see Wes Anderson like coming back a little bit to animation for this this short that'll be kind of attached to Moonrise Kingdom, and then I'm assuming it'll be on the, the DVD and Blu-ray when it comes out too. Mm-hmm. But Matt, what do you think of what did you think of Fantastic Mr. Fox? Fantastic Mr. Fox was like one of my favorite freaking movies oh my god i love the fantastic mr fox for the longest time like that was like the one movie i, I could just watch over and over and over but uh just um what was it george clooney yeah it was the voice um uh, yeah just i i him and uh oh god who is who was the other guy there the badger bill, bill murray, murray. Oh my god, that was awesome! Those two like together working on that, just you, like to hear like you those with voices. Me? You cussing with me? Yeah, that was that Cuss was you. awesome. Totally awesome. Um, uh, you know, I love like the the way like the style. Um, who uh, who was the director on that? Um, uh, I, I know this too. Who's that? Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, Wes Anderson. Yeah, that, that's the whole reason why I brought it up, dude. Yeah. I know. Sorry, I was zoning out. I'm, I'm trying. I'm like watching the dog, and like she puked two seconds ago, and it's it's all right. It's it's good, but uh, no, awesome movie, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see it because it's it's one of the best um, like stop motion animation that has like fur in it. You you never see mm-hmm. like stop motion with like a lot of fur, and it's just it's really cool. The storyline's great. And uh, just the style of the whole thing is awesome, I think. Yeah, I think Wes Anderson translates very well to animated films because with the yeah. style that he does for his movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching a behind-the-scenes where uh, the the actors, I remember seeing George Clooney, they were actually like acting out the scenes while they did the, the voiceover. So right. I thought that was pretty neat. That would have that been a great thing to have, see the entire film on that Blu-ray done like in the live action way that they shot it when we're recording <laughs> yeah that's that's really cool but yeah those are that's our news and everything else today so about an hour in, into the podcast here's our main topic <laughs> <laughs> uh and the whole reason why we asked ralph to be on today uh disney's xerox era which if you're not not familiar with it it's uh basically how today how sketches are scanned into a computer uh, the Xerox process was groundbreaking back in the late 1950s when 101 Dalmatians was first being animated. Uh, it uses light and magnetized toner to project an image on a cell, and a pro- it's a process that would have been impossible to do by hand for the intricate spot animation used for 101 Dalmatians. It was a it was an easier way to um, to uh, do cleanup from uh, on the uh, pencil sketches to the animation cells, which uh, used before this was used um, or was done by hand by painters. Yeah. yeah. 
And then actually when they started this, they actually fired all of their inkers, which I mean, it sucks for the inkers. Yeah. But so I think their their employees went from having like over 500 to having like 100 when they started doing using the Xerox process. But and the and the animators are so used to doing like their rough sketches for the films. That's why I kind of that's kind of why 101 Dalmatian, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, and Aristocats all kind of have this like really dark, heavy like outlines around the characters because they didn't clean up the animation as much because it just basically like, copied right onto that that cell and then they would paint them and do the film that way. So that's kind of why. A bunch of these films have that thicker kind of outline to the characters than you would see with like later films, like Post Oliver and Company. Yeah, and then you would you you also notice some um, like pencil sketches, kind of like guidelines where uh, the bridge of the nose might be on a character or across the eye line. Um, you know, because when the they they would it would go from directly from um, pencil sketches into the Xerox process. And then onto cells. Whereas cleanup, they would take the lines that were supposed to be there, um, paint those lines, like trace them out onto the cells with paint, um, and do like the perfect version of that drawing. So you get kind of imperfections. You see a lot of the pencil art, um, which you get kind of a sketchy look. Like if you look at Robin Hood, you can see it a lot um, along the facial areas. And you'll see lines kind of fade in and disappear. Uh, around the faces and hands um like if you're if you're watching 101 dalmatians if you look at um like corella deville's uh fur coat you'll see a lot of like wild lines pop up in and out um that's part of that xerox transfer from directly from pencil um cleaned up by a machine and then you know transferred onto itself uh, that way And one of the things with the with the Xerox process, I used to hate it. I, I, uh, the way I thought of it was that it was a cheap way to do animation. Um, I know Walt Disney didn't like the way it looked, um, and I think the last movie he worked on was, was 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I I, I don't think he was really a fan of it it didn't have that nice polished look that like sleeping beauty or snow white had um it has more of a loose uh, line art um and i used to just think it was a cheap way out which it might be it was obviously cost effective um but recently i've come to actually like it a little more yeah it kind of gives like the essentially it's almost like era like since that's what to disney from basically the 60s to like the late 80s of like all these films being done like that yeah and i i remember and like if you if you ever look up there's this this one video on youtube that uh it's supposed to be like how disney ruined my childhood and it shows like most most of these films are included in that and like where it shows like how they recycled some of their their animation for some of these different films where like you'll see like some of like the d- same like dance sequences that Blue does in the Jungle Book, or yeah. then in the Aristocats, or some some other. There's a lot of like there's Robin some Hood. footage. Yeah, there's some footage from Aristocats and Robin Hood, like the band. Um, yeah. And then I was even reading today that the Black Cauldron used footage from or used animation from the Sword in the Stone. Oh, gee. yeah, I can see that. Um, and what's interesting is now when I look at it, uh, I'm I'm. Mostly what I, I think in 1998, I took a class in animation and, you know, gave animation a shot myself and I became more fascinated with, with the actual technique. And so I've come to actually enjoy the Xerox a little bit more because it, it looks more like this pencil sketches yeah. uh, because it doesn't, because it doesn't look so glossy and cleaned up. Um, you can kind of see that it, it was handmade and hand drawn. Um, and what's kind of cool about like 101 Dalmatians and the Sword in the Stone, those two in particular, um, they kind of understood, you could tell they understood how Xerox was going to look. So they made the backgrounds look very loose. If you look at the backgrounds, um, you have like simple line drawings for buildings 
and the coloring on the buildings, uh, they don't stay within the lines. Right. It's kind of more graphically, it has a more graphic look to it. And uh, I think it complements the, the Xerox um, process a little bit better. Like, you know, if, if, the, if the characters aren't going to look glossy and clean, let's not make the backgrounds look perfect because they're just going to stand out a lot more. When I was putting this list together, I noticed a lot of these like these um, films on this were, were like my favorites when I was growing up too, which is kind of interesting now that I think about it. Hmm. Like, uh, like some of my favorite Disney ones are The Sword and the Stone, Jungle Book, and Great Mouse Detective, and Oliver and Company, and they're all done this way. Uh, and then I finally watched The Black Cauldron today. <laughs> And this that and the thing I found out was that that's actually Disney's first film to be rated PG. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. I remember that being a big deal too. Growing up. And and I guess they had to edit the film twice to make it not PG thirteen or R. Have you seen Have you seen the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, Matt, have you seen that as well? I have not. Yeah, there's like a whole section where they talk about Jeffrey Katzenberger going in and cutting out a lot of footage um, from the film. Yeah. I guess it was too dark, and then he, I guess, this was one of the only times where um, that the studio actually made cuts to completed scenes. Uh, so, yeah, it, yeah, the first time since Snow White. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. I, you, you, I would like to see. I'm sure it's somewhere is the original longer cut. I want to say they said something like 45 minutes. It was some ridiculous amount of time that was cut from the original version. Jeez. Yeah. After watching it today too, it's definitely not one of the best Disney films they ever did. And I I can kind of see why secret of Nim beat it at the theater that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things about it though, is that it was, even though the next film that Disney would do, Great Mouse Detective, was the first film to use ever use CG animation, mm-hmm. my film Black Cauldron used computers for some of the backgrounds in there, and they they brought the multiplane camera back for this film. Yeah. Since and they kind of it was I noticed it was it was weird in one of the scenes because you can see like them walking across the the scene, and then the sky is like all what looks like video. Like a pur- of a purple sky, just like moving in the background, it, it looked really weird. It's really strange. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge like like I said I, I'm I'm really interested in the technique, and I never really was a fan of CG integration. Um, I liked like the Great Mouse Detective, the the giant, the the fight in Big Ben. I think that's done well, where it's just like they use lines. Yeah. Um, not not I'm not really a fan of the realistic cg like the ballroom in in beauty and the beast or the uh, well of souls or whatever the the in aladdin the giant uh lion head i think it just looks too glossy but but like the sword in the stone i really didn't notice any cg i have to i have to go back and watch the rest of it but i did notice a lot of a lot of um they used a lot of xerox uh, effect on the actual cauldron itself. Right. It almost looks like they used a model of a cauldron to like kind of rotoscope and animate over it. Yeah. All right, guys, Matt's got to step out for the rest of the podcast, but Ralph and I are going to keep going on. <clears throat> yeah, Matt... Sorry guys. You guys are three hours time difference for me over there. So, <laughs> Yeah. So you guys have a good night and uh I will talk to you guys later. Yeah. Later, Matt. See ya. One of the one of the things you mentioned earlier is that um Aristocats and the Rescuers are coming out on Blu ray this year. Yeah. Uh Rescuers is gonna be like a double feature Blu ray too, so it'll have the Rescuers down under on it. Oh. So it'll be interesting to see the difference in the animation because down under was done in a different style of animation wasn't done with the Xerox. Yeah, that was the first movie to use computer transfers. Yeah. For the cleanup. 
So that'll be kind of a cool thing to see, like on that Blu-ray, because you'll mm-hmm. see. And one of the things I'm curious to see is because I mean the Disney movies they look amazing on Blu-ray, um, and I don't know how much that is uh, digitally fixing stuff. So I'm I'm really curious to see these Xerox movies, especially like Rescuers yeah. and Aristocats, um, how they look on Blu-ray if they clean them up too much. If we're going to lose some of those some of those impurities, um, some of the the previews they've had for a few of these blu-rays like on all their blu-rays it's looked ju- the the cg i mean not cg the style of animation has looked just pretty much the same and they haven't deteriorated any of the the lines or whatnot with it and the, i think the, these are actually the first two aristocats and rescuers are the first two of this era of films being put on blu-ray so really yeah. interesting yeah and that's what you you posted that on your Instagram page uh, that they were coming out, and I, that really piqued my interest. It really did. Um, it's it's weird. It's a it's 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 hard to describe. Like the the look of it looks so much more gritty. Yeah. Like you look at something like Sleeping Beauty, and Pinocchio, and Dumbo, and there's like this clean brightness to him, and pretty much all of these movies. Are, are pretty dark with maybe the exception of like Robin Hood. Um, they just have this kind of this really dark, uh, dark look to them. And I, I'm really, I'm really beginning to enjoy them uh, a lot more because it does look more handmade. And that's why I was like concerned with uh, the Ardmen going to CG commercials. Cause it's like, you, you kind of want to see the craftsmanship. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like Mr. Fox. And as Matt mentioned, the fur, like those are impurities you get with. You see like the the fur moving like throughout, like all of it because of the way it was shot like that. Kind of like King Kong. You could see like the fingerprints where they moved. Oh, yeah. Uh, Another thing with Black Cauldron was that uh, it was, yeah. A breakthrough in that movie was the development of the animation photo transfer. Mm-hmm. So it was the first major change in the studio's method of transferring the artist's drawings to a cell since the Xerox copying replaced the hand inking. Mm-hmm. And it, it improved the quality of the animator's art. So, And then David Spencer, who worked for Disney, was actually awarded an Oscar for his development for the EPT processes. So that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, that's really cool. If you had to choose a favorite film out of this era of these i'll go through the list just in case anyone doesn't know what films are in this period are 101 dalmatians sword in the stone the jungle book the aristocats robin hood many adventures of winnie the pooh the rescuers the fox and the hound the black cauldron the great mouse detective and oliver and company if you had to pick a favorite from those films which one would you choose um, I am a big fan of Robin Hood. Uh, I think it was one of my favorites growing up. And I want to say I saw it in the theater, like maybe a re-release. Uh, it must have been like 1983, because I think back then they used to, it was before video. Oh yeah, they were doing a lot of, I remember they were doing a bunch of re-releases when I was younger yeah. too. Um, I think they would do them like 10 years after, so Robin Hood came out in 73. But um, that might have been my favorite one. And what's funny, you had mentioned that these these are the movies that you liked the most growing up. And what's funny is, like, if you think of Disney before this, a lot of them were princess-based. Yeah. With the exception of maybe, like, Dumbo and, and uh, Pinocchio, which are my two favorites. Um, so I don't know, like, growing up as a kid, you know, girls are gross. You know? <laughs> so why would you want to watch Cinderella? Why would you want to watch, you know, Sleeping Beauty? Um, and all, none of these are really, really princess based. Like that's a, that's a pretty long run Yeah, from 1961 to 1988. And then even after 88, after the Xerox era where you get the rescuers and well, I guess the great, great mouse detective, um, like the black, the black cauldron has a princess in it, but she's like, she's not a princess in the Disney sense where like, she's, you know, yeah. Like, like she's not the protagonist. Yeah, she's not because she, more or less the the male character is like the protagonist of anything, I guess. Mm. 
which could be a, one of the reasons why um, Little Mermaid did so well. I mean, it's a great movie, but also, I mean, that's the first Disney princess since who knows when, since easily before 1961. Yeah. B- yeah, basically this entire Xerox era of Disney doesn't have any princesses. You go Sleeping Beauty and then this era and then uh, The Little Mermaid. So yeah. It's kind of interesting. A pretty big chunk. But yeah, I think if I, I had to pick out of here, uh, some really good ones. Jungle Book's really good. Yeah, and Phil Harris, the guy who did the voice of Baloo, had a pretty good stretch with Disney for those those few years too, because he did Baloo for the Jungle Book, then he was O'Malley in the Aristocats, and then mm-hmm. in Robin Hood, he essentially is Baloo again, but he's <laughs> Little John. Yeah, Little John. Little he's Baloo with a, a hat and a shirt and a different mm-hmm. color. But yeah, I, I don't. Know, I think I'd pick the Great Mouse Detective. I don't know. I think it's just either that one or the Sword in the Stone. I'm torn between for picking one. But yeah. see, I love the CG in Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. That that scene in Big Ben is is pretty great. And I think uh, it's. I think with those two, it's just because I like the stories of Arthur and. And Excalibur and and Sherlock Holmes, so that's that's maybe why I'm leaning towards <laughs> those two more than yeah. any of the other ones. And then I, I like. Is, go ahead. What's funny is a lot of these are like, kind of British stories as well. Oh like, yeah, 101 Dalmatians in England. Sword in the Stone. Aristocats. Uh, Robin Hood. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, the rescue. <laughs> the rescuers. Isn't the rescuers? Is the res- the first rescuers in England? Uh. What is it? Well, it takes place at the United Nations. Okay. Because uh, obviously the second one is in Australia. Yeah. Bernard is American and. Berdita is, is like British. Hungarian or, or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But I don't know. It, seem, it seems like it should be a British thing. Yeah. But like uh, Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, and then Black so Cauldron is based, based on a series of books, too, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then Oliver Company obviously takes place in New York City, but yeah. but that's that's pretty interesting. I bet there was somebody behind the, the scenes there during those years that was from the United Kingdom, which probably influenced a lot yeah. of these films coming out. Or it might have been easier to get the rights. Oh yeah, but just, I never noticed that. And this version of Pooh is the version I remember from when I'm a kid, when I was a kid too. Besides the animated series mm-hmm. that they had on when I was a kid. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, that's what I remember, like the, the blustery day and the, the story where he gets stuck in Rabbit's hole when he's yeah trying to steal honey. And this has the Heffalumps and Woozles uh, yeah. sequence, which is, it's, you know, very similar to the Pink Elephants on Parade. And I actually really like this sequence a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. And they made a movie about those, right? The the Heffalump movie. Yeah, the, the yeah, they're just called the Huffleup movie. There's like a series of Pooh movies that are just called the Tigger movie, the P- the Piglet's big movie, the Heffalump movie. I'm surprised they didn't do a, a rabbit movie and a, a beaver movie and everything else. Yeah. And then I remember I liked Oliver and Company a lot when I was a, a kid too. Around that time, I was, I was, I think, 89. I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade. I was um, I was three years so old. To I was make getting you feel into old. like yeah, I was getting into like nah, I, I don't I don't need to watch cartoons anymore. <laughs> and what's kind of funny is that Joey Lawrence, who you remember, may remember from Blossom, did the voice of Oliver. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel did the voice of Dodger, which is pretty yeah. awesome. And then Cheech Marin must like uh, playing uh, Chihuahuas. Because doesn't, doesn't he do the voice of the Chihuahua in the, the Beverly Hills Chihuahua movies, too? I have no idea. He's the voice? Wait. He's Because he's the voice of Tito. Yeah. He's not a voice in Cars, is he? Yeah, he is. He's Ramon. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I haven't... I don't know. I haven't seen Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> I, I don't have a... Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't have any desire in seeing Beverly Hills Chihuahua 1, 2, or 3. <laughs> Yes, there's a trilogy of Beverly Hills and Chihuahua movies. Wow. And it took how long to get John Carter out in the theaters? Yeah. 
keep keep that in mind, everybody. John Carter will only ever have one film, probably, but Beverly Hills Chihuahua is a Disney trilogy. <laughs> uh, oh, and then Dom DeLuise did a, a voice on Oliver Company, which was one of like the rare animated he film animated films he did that wasn't a Don Bluth film. Yeah. So I wonder if Don I wonder if Don Bluth liked that, or if he was semi upset with Dom DeLuise. I don't know. Did he work after that with Don Bluth? Did Don Bluth even make movies into the nineties? Uh, just Land Before Time sequels. Well, well, hmm. You don't have to look it up. I was just. Oh, I know he did. Uh, didn't All Dogs Go to Heaven come out in the nineties? Um, yes. Yeah, so then then he did. Yeah, but yeah, Dom DeLuise is awesome. So we'll just take take that from there. He played like the owner of the of the dogs. He was like a kind of a transient living on the docks. It was a yeah. Yeah. Fagin. Yes. He, he was also Pizza the Hut in Spaceballs. Was he? Yeah. I know that. Uh, and he was he was my favorite character in the well besides Bible in the American Tale movies Tiger. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add about Disney's Xerox era at all? No, uh, other than just uh, seek it out, and if you didn't know about it before, you probably will notice it now. Yeah, um, and then especially, especially if you look at the difference between like artistic style between like. 101 Dalmatians in the movie that came out before that, which was probably Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And then even going from Oliver and Company in 88 to Little Mermaid in 89, you can see yeah. a difference. Even though they were both, even though Little Mermaid was being developed at the same time Oliver and Company was, that's kind of interesting that they had they have such and even distinct. Rescuers Down Under came out between those two, right? Yeah, I believe so. And, yeah, and that still looked completely different. Like they didn't, they, I think they were the first ones to use CG conversion. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if they'd ever possible. I, I wish, di- like, I, I like the CG films, but I wish they would still do some 2D hand-drawn films. I liked, I liked Princess and the Frog, and it sucks that it didn't do as well because that's why they haven't really been focusing on doing any more yeah. hand-drawn films besides Winnie the Pooh. Wasn't Tangled supposed to be traditional animation? Yeah, that had been developed for a while as like hand-drawn animation and then it got shifted in, into CG and there's even work that uh, Glenn Keane had done for Tangled for the 2D version of the film but they ended up using that for the, the CG that would have been interesting to see that with all the hair yeah although they probably would have just made made it into like a mass effect of stuff with a bunch of lines going through it hmm. but I, I think Tangled turned out pretty well for the way it did in, in CG. So, yeah, I thought it was a great movie. I actually would have been, it would have been nice to see it if they can do the exact same movie but in uh, 2D. Um, I think it could have been a resurgence. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was that movie made a lot of money if yeah. I remember correctly. Um, it would have been, yeah. I think it was a solid story. It's, I, it's, yeah, I hope that Disney just hasn't given up completely on the hand-drawn animation. Hopefully. We'll see some more of it within the next few years or so. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if again, if you haven't, if you guys haven't checked any of these films out, there you should have by now because they're <laughs> essentially classics. Yeah, all of Disney's animated classics, maybe for the exception of Black Hologen, which is the redhead stepchild. But uh, yeah, all of these you should have seen by now. If you're at least in your twenties or mid thirties, you should have seen these by now. But yeah. Yeah, they're great Disney films. A few of them are coming out in Blu-ray this August. Hopefully more will come out in Blu-ray next year. So mm-hmm. it's definitely worth checking them out. Although I can't see if you, if you can go to a Blockbuster or you can go to Netflix to rent these because I'm pretty sure some of them are going to be hard to find to buy because of Disney with their vault. So. Yeah. But that's it for today's show. I want to thank Ralph for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. We can have you come on again sometime. Yeah, we need to discuss Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> that that should be fun. Yeah. What what might even be fun is that we're doing a, a brave episode with two animators who we've had on before, Austin and Chris. It'd be interesting to have you on with them at the same time too. 
Uh, yeah, it would be interesting. I, I don't. I. It's. It's not that I hate Pixar movies. There's. There's something about them that upsets me, <laughs> and I, I could go into detail, but. Um, That's another episode and another day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's. It's not. It's not like. It's not like I want to murder anybody. It's just it's just something that I found that's in common with all of the movies that I think. Um, <laughs> we, I'll go, I'll talk to you about it some other time. Okay. For a different show. Uh, but yeah, don't forget, guys. You can follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, me, I'm at Mark Bibbert, M A R C B I B B E R T. You can follow Matt at Quest Pact, Q U E S T P A C T, or the Showa Animated Podcast, or Ralph at. Uh, if you want to follow me and yell at me about Pixar, you can do that at Casino Skunk. Yeah. Uh, you can feel free to be the first person ever to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Can I just say that I hope, I, I kind of like that you say that every episode? Yeah. No one has ever emailed us. I'm the only person that emails that to send news stories to it, so remember to put them into this. <laughs> but, yeah. Maybe if we ever if we ever get some free stuff we can give out. If you are the first person to email us, I will ship whatever. If we have a, an extra product of something or like a, a film or something, I'll send it to you if you if you email us. You can even just email hi. Thank you for making the podcast. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you for my my black cauldron VHS. It's broken that you don't want. Yeah, and again, remember you can search for us on iTunes. Give us a review on there. We've, we've got a few reviews on there, but we're looking to get some more. They can be good, they can be bad. We don't care because we just we like getting the input so we can improve the show because we don't want like a crappy show. We want like a good show for you guys to listen to and have a good time for you to listen to it. Uh, but yeah, you can visit our, our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com. Uh, again, iTunes, go to it, subscribe to us, please. Uh, I'm Mark Vibbert, so for myself, Matt Quest, and Ralph, thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time when we'll be discussing more animation. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks. Bye, guys. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. It's just been raining on my face. And if you think you see some tear tracks down my cheeks, please, please, don't tell my mates, I'm not crying, no, I'm not crying. If I am crying, it's not cause of you It's because I'm thinking about a friend of mine You don't know who is dying, that's right, dying These aren't tears of sadness because you're leaving me I've just been cutting onions, I'm making a lasagna